welcome to Crafting a Revolution, the podcast. My name is Katie Freeman, and I'm one of your hosts. Every Wednesday and Friday, we bring you interviews with female and non-binary makers of all kinds from all over the world. Today's guest is Molly Pruitt, who is a artist, a general contractor, um, a designer. <laughs> I feel like Molly could probably do it all. Um, went to school, went to art school, um, and then found herself taking jobs in construction because it paid well and she was capable of doing them. And that led her to becoming a general contractor, running her own business. And then her and her husband, just as a hobby, are working on their house uh, on weekends and, and when they have time available. So it was great getting to chat with Molly and learn about the many ways that she is very much talented. Before we hop into the interview with Molly, I want to give a big shout out and thanks to the patrons over on Patreon. So thank you so much, Lee, Atlee Runyon, Annette, 513 Woodworks, Katie Thompson, Women of Woodworking, Kevin, Lefty's Woodshop, Christy, Twisted Twine, Jeremy, Jeremy Spies, Sammy, Go Sammy Lee, Rachel, Moody Makes, Bonnie, Tool Mom Bonnie, ToolMomStore.com, Laura, Oakley Soap Company, Brandy, Studio, Obey, Lee, The Rainbow Carver, Ellen, Little Bear Furniture, and Ethan, Ethan Carter Designs. Thank you so much for your ongoing support, helping to produce two episodes a week, every week. And if you would like to get your name added to this list, if you've been listening to the podcast and you've been meaning to go, you know, Katie, yes, yes, I want to give the podcast one, three, or five dollars a month to help produce two episodes a week every week, uh, then you certainly can. You can head on over to patreon.com forward slash crafting a revolution and choose from the tiers over there, no matter what tier you pick. I guarantee you, your name will be added to the list and you will be thanked at the top of every episode every week. So head on over to patreon.com forward slash crafting revolution and check it out. Join the pod squad. All right. No further ado. Let's hop on into the interview with Molly Pruitt. Um, all right. Well, Molly, I like to start by asking my guests to introduce themselves. So would you do that for me? Uh, so my name is Molly, Molly Pruitt, and I live in Santa Fe, New Mexico uh, with my husband, Michael. And we have a cat. We're down to a cat. We used to have lots and lots of animals and children, but we're now typically empty nesters. Uh, uh, I'm a general contractor. I build custom homes and do remodels in Santa Fe. And um, on the weekends, my husband and I, we work on our house. Uh, and when we weren't working on our house, we've always done uh, projects. <laughs> building and otherwise and teaching ourselves how to do different skills and things like that so we really you know have fun together that's that's our hobby awesome I will admit I did not know you were a general contractor I knew about like the other side of things that you do but not that part <laughs> I, I on Instagram that's the main thing I get is people are like what um, and recently I had a woman who's kind of helping me kind of organize and she's like, Molly, I had no idea. And I said, I know I'm 
kind of hard for me to pull those two together, like professional and, you Mm -hmm. know, Mike and Molly's house. So, right, right. I, yeah, but that, yeah, I've been doing, I've been a, I've been a builder. I've been in construction for over 20 years. Um, yeah. So it's, it, I mean, it's a big part of my life and who I am. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I want to get into that part of your journey for sure, but I want to also start with like the broader question of what is your story starting with like tiny baby Molly, like where'd you grow up to like where you're at now? <laughs> tiny baby. See, the thing is, is I'm, so I'm 53. And so there's many decades. That's okay. I'm, I'm, here, I'm here for the full story. I am here okay. for it. <laughs> there's going to be a lot of editing. <laughs> oh, uh, I grew, so my family is very uh, Midwestern. Uh, and- my parents are from Northern Kentucky and Southeastern Ohio. And as growing up as my family there reminded me, those were my people. Mm-hmm. We, we moved, they moved out to Albuquerque when I was a year old, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Very different from, you know, that area that they grew up in the Midwest. And um, so I really consider myself, you know, a, an Albuquerque Canyon, <laughs> you know, it's like, but I also have this very different, you know, Midwestern connection. Um, so yeah, I grew up there. I grew up in a, in a household, very middle-class. My dad was a scientist, but they were both parents were really into the arts, really into music. Like we did, we were a very crafty family. This was, you know, the seventies. It was just like a, you know, very kind of, my dad macrameed our, um, canopy bed on our and he it took him years right <laughs> and he would come up and work on you know we'd be like getting ready for bed and later on he'd be working on a row <laughs> and that's just kind of how we grew up so I also grew up with really this uh the sense of that they gave us that we they really pushed us to do things mm-hmm. and experience things and they were very nice parents. So they were, they were always just like, you guys are awesome. <laughs> yes, I grew up really having confidence mm-hmm. that, oh, I can do these things. And I, you know, and I, and they were, they were, they were really spectacular at that. They didn't really drill down into the perfectionism of things. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was also something, if anything, as an adult, maybe I had to overcome and really had to learn how to be a good craftsperson. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my childhood, was just really growing up and, you know, and then I, uh, in high school, I took um, a lot of the industrial arts classes. And then when I went off to college, I was, I got a sculpture degree and uh, dance choreography where I was kind of meshing these kind of mixed media Mm-hmm. And I was making huge, big metal sculptures. So I was learning how to weld. I learned, you know, I knew a wood shop inside and out. And outside of when I finished college, I was like, I'm going to be an artist. Mm-hmm. This is my 20s. I'm like, this is what I'm going to do. <laughs> um, and to sustain that, I would work uh, construction, doing welding jobs. And it paid well. It was fast. Mm-hmm. 
I was the head of a, a, a theater set construction. Um, so I had the opportunity to also teach people that had never touched tools before how to use tools. Um, and that was a real exciting kind of time where, you know, I work all day at the warehouse, building sets, having students come in. And then at night I was either building my sculptures or rehearsing for the next show I had, but I was just intense. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and at some point I kind of burned out and kind of got a little lost, really. It's just kind of like, what am I gonna do with my life? Um, I happened to meet my first husband at the time. And, you know, he was also really into do-it-yourself stuff. Like I never, I moved around, but I always had a garden. It was mm -hmm. always like changing things. Um, but the marriage was not great. It was pretty bad. And I did have a child out of that marriage. And once again, when I got out of that, was really one, I was just like, what am I going to do? You know, mm -hmm. I'm 30. I have a baby. Mm -hmm. um, I was still doing some dance. I was still doing some guest choreography stuff, but nothing was really like, you know, really mm -hmm. pulling and holding me. Um, but a few years, I, I met Michael and I get, you know, I, I see Michael in some ways is a kind of a mixture of my dad and my brother. I had some of the same personalities and mm -hmm. I go back to like, he was always a big cheerleader. He always just, he just assumed I could do it. And if I didn't, he'd be right there to be like, oh, you know, this is how you tile. Yeah. yeah. This is how you lay a wood floor. Um, and I have to say, Michael, I think what he saw was that I had a real talent for building things. And although I wasn't interested in being a sculptor artistically, I really loved construction. Mm -hmm. So I kind of launched there in my early thirties. Um, and the first thing I did was I bought an old rundown house and flipped it. And Michael and my parents would come on the weekends to help me. And during the week, I just kind of put it together. And that was my first kind of like, Oh, I can, you know, I can do this. And I learned so much. Yeah. And then from there we built, I hired a general contractor to build a spec house. And he kind of, again, he was great. He was just like, you want to learn how to build? I'll show you how to build. And when that project, we sold it, we didn't make any money. I was like, oh, I have to go and make a living. Yeah. <laughs> Michael was in school. So it was really like, I have to, and, and my cousin is an architect and he lives in Canada. And he's like, oh, Molly, he went to University of New Mexico, which is in Albuquerque. I was in Santa Fe, an hour north at this point. He said, oh, I have an old college friend who has a design build company. I literally called the guy up and I was like, would you hire me? <laughs> and he did. And, you know, that was where I really like formally was trained as a construction manager. And just from there, went through a couple different companies, kept building that, what I call the filing cabinet of, mm -hmm. you know, every job you learn something else and something else and something else to apply. And I just kept building and building on that. And uh, about 
oh, 20, I think it was 2013, I was like, okay, I'm going to go and be a general contractor. Mm-hmm. Went out on my own. I had a business partner for a few years who was my, one of my best friends. But that was that's kind of it. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, for one, taking even in high school, like all the industrial tech classes, I have to imagine in, in the 70s, you were the only girl. Mm-mm. I wasn't. <laughs> really? So, <laughs> so high school, let's see. High school, I would have been in from 82 to 86. Okay. You know, it could be geographic area. I don't know. Because this is, you know, the area I grew up in. I also feel that the 80s, there was this resurgence of kind of, you could do it all. Mm. Um, so I think maybe, you know, we were coming, we were, me and my girlfriends mm-hmm. had mothers who were really coming at the end of this civil rights for women. Gotcha. So we think there was a little bit of that, you know, mm-hmm. so I, there may have been one other girl. I mean, it wasn't like there was half of us, but there was right. always one or two. I always just tended to gravitate to men as for friendships. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I was in a, a really probably this last decade that I've really worked on my female relationship mm-hmm. and realized that there was a real need for me to do that just as a human and mm-hmm. to, uh, to grow. So, yeah, I would say that I didn't really, I mean, I did have some female friends like from college and stuff, but like, especially work-wise, I didn't connect with women until I became a mom. And then I was like able to connect on that level. And I think just personally, because I am like one of the least girliest girls I probably have ever met. Um, And so I just don't like going and getting nails done or makeup or and shopping or any of the stuff that like the women around me were doing was never something I had an interest in like doing with and they never had an interest in like you know I could talk tools and like making and I did I did in a uh, manufacturing technology was my degree in college so like even I remember like that was my degree. And then like my roommate, who's also my, became my best friend. Like we've been best friends now for like 20 years. She was an English major. And so she would sit there and talk about like, you know, all the classical literature she had to write and read and write papers on it, which I was like, you're out of your mind for wanting to ever want to do that. I do not understand it. Uh, but then she would like look at the like widgets I would be bringing in from classes, uh, you know, learning to run like a CNC and a metal lathe and welding and all that stuff. And she would just be like, I just don't get it. Like we just have nothing in common as far as that would go, you know? So it was like, I honestly didn't have much of a problem being the only like one of two in my college degree program of women I didn't have much of an issue like hanging with the guys except for I did really get 
tired of like butt and fart jokes and dick jokes after a while. Um, but, you know, and the and some professors like flat out telling me I didn't belong in that space. But but still, it's like I just didn't I could never really gravitate towards women. I had a harder time uh, communicating with them. I think that's why part of the drive for like this podcast and stuff. I was like, I need to find my people, the people I can talk to you know, who understand the gender issues of being in this space, as well as like just being able to geek out about tools. Like I need somebody who can do that. <laughs> oh yeah, because it's so layered and, yeah. and it doesn't have to just be one thing, but yeah, I mean, like just, I mean, that's the thing is, I know there's a group of women because I'm the same way. I don't like to shop. I don't <laughs> do my nails. I don't, you yeah. know, and you know, my daughter who is a cosmetologist and starting at nine, she was into all of that. Mm -hmm. And I think Michael was better about like sitting down and painting her nails than I was. Or I was yeah. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> <me>. Yes. <laughs> but I think what you said, there is, you can still find your people and, yeah. and you can hit, you know, hit, yeah. you know, and this is why I love the DIY community that at least you and I are in. I'm, yeah. it seems very centric to women. Yeah at least this little piece, the little yes. bubble we're in. Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah. But it's incredibly exciting because yeah. you have a better chance, you know, if, if like you were in college, you know, I was the same way. I had like three women that I could relate to. And it was like, really, if you don't relate to one of them, then you're just like, well, you're shit out of luck. Yeah. <laughs> you so right. <laughs> not gonna be your friend right <laughs> um, but I have to say some of my longest friendships was a woman who I went to you know she was this amazing sculptor we're still friends mm -hmm. we were roommates it's kind of the same way because when yeah. you do bond you're like okay we're gonna stay yes, yes. <laughs> you know there's not that many yeah um, and and I'm glad you bring up the DIY space um because to me, DIY and actually makerspace go together. And I feel like, yes, there's a strong, a much bigger um, group of women in that space. Um, and it's more accepted, I think, in that space um, versus like trade and also versus like uh, traditional craft. Like those oh, spaces, yeah. good point. Yeah, those spaces do not have much diversity outside of white men. Like, there's just not a lot. Um, maybe in trade, you get outside of white men, and you can get maybe more Latino men. Um, you know, who are going into that space, but still, it's men dominated. Hey, Pond Squad. I would like to give a big shout out and thanks to this week's sponsor, Rockport Works. They offer safety footwear that suits people's occupation and lifestyle by incorporating performance, safety, and style into every shoe and boot. Each shoe features a slip-resistant outsole and a toe cap varying between steel, alloy, and composite. Other features such as electrical hazard and shock protection are also available depending on your safety needs. So Rockport delivers extraordinary technology-based comfort using the latest advances in construction and design to create both modern and classic shoe styles. So whatever the outfit, they've got you covered. 
Their goal is to support your style, to take you from work to leisure and everything in between. Try Rockport Works for yourself and change the world without changing your shoes. Now, they offered to send me some boots and I said, hey, look here. I got lots of boots. I got plenty of boots. I really, really, really need a shoe that's going to work for me out in the workshop. Because right now, if I don't feel like wearing my work boots, I'm wearing my tennis shoes. And not only is it hard on the tennis shoes, those aren't really the best to wear protection and safety wise out in the shop. So they sent me a pair of their True Stride uh, work shoes, which are these slip-on shoes that have a zipper on them and they consist of moisture wicking micro mesh liner and a leather upper and they've got this nice little cushion in the heel that really is helpful for my lower back personally. Um, they have these shoes available in sizes from 6 to 12 in both M and W widths. I went with W because I've got a white foot. And I'm just going to let you know. So I went ahead and ordered my standard like eight wides and they do run a little bit big on me, but I love them even more for that, honestly, because that makes them easier to slip on and off. So I just slip right in, head on out to the garage, do some work, come in, take them off, don't track sawdust all over the house. So it is fantastic. Um, the shoe, besides being super cool and comfy, also meets all ASTM safety standards and requirements. All right, so if you want to try out a pair of the True, True Stride shoes or any of their other work boots and shoes, um, head on over to Rockport Works and you can use discount code FREEMAN 25. That's Freeman, F-R-E-E-M-A-N, 25, to get 25% off of your purchase at checkout. So take advantage of this super sweet deal for listeners of the pod and head on over and check out Rockport Works. All right, let's head back into the episode. Um, and so that's why it's interesting to you, like you said, like you went into construction and you did welding and stuff like that as like a job, because again, Maybe like you said, there was a resurgence of kind of this like women can do every, anything, but I still feel like that wasn't probably a super welcoming space because it's not one now, like it's still not a very welcoming space now. No, and, and that's why, you know, this is where, again, I have to like acknowledge race. Mm -hmm. um, so if people can't see me, I'm a white lady. Yeah. I'm a white lady. Can't get any whiter. Yeah. <laughs> I grew up, okay, again, we're looking at 70s, mm -hmm. Holly Hobby, Laura Ingalls Wilder, mm -hmm. those were the predominant things that were in media. Mm -hmm. I was seeing a reflection of myself mm -hmm. everywhere. So when you talk about, well, the confidence that I built, I don't say like, oh, I'm just genetically like got yes. this together. Right. I really have to acknowledge that the environment I was in was just layering that confidence and, mm -hmm. and pushing it there. Um, I mean, yes, I did. I've done things that other people would be like, oh, I can't believe you went out and did that. That might have some of it, but really it has to do with, I was, had this kind of a entitled, lovely middle class mm -hmm. life. I had shit that happened to me that wasn't great along the way, but mm -hmm. I always had the underlying 
sort of ability to be like, well, I can get through this. Mm -hmm. um, so I do think, you know, there was, you know, there's, it's not a simple answer, but right. I just That's do just want true. to acknowledge that. Yes. No, I mean, you're absolutely right. I grew up so I'm only, you know, I'm a, I'm a generate or a, a decade younger than you. So just turned 40. So I grew up in the eighties and I kind of, you know, when you said it, I'm kind of like reflecting on that. Like, yes, I was told, like my mom would tell me I could do anything I put my mind to. However, it was still very like gender focused and it was still like at least my family dynamic was still very pushed towards like you know you're going to like dress in this manner you're gonna act in this manner like this is the way that like women act to be successful um and you know, so still being worn yeah, <laughs> to work. yeah. like it was like a requirement yeah. to go to yeah. work yes absolutely <laughs> yeah. um so yeah, it was, it was still, it was still very much there. And, you know, and, and again, because of my family dynamic, I was like, I had a lot of interest in art and particular in like furniture design and stuff like that. But I was pushed into like, well, if you have to go that route, then go like engineering or architect or something that's going to pay the bills. Right. It was seen as like, you're not going to make any money doing that, um, which is really funny because my grandma worked for a construction company and was part of like women of construction. Um, so it was like really funny that that's what was like, you know, brought down to me because you would have thought like it would have been seen as a potential like place to go, but it wasn't. I don't know if that was maybe a post-World War II because in Santa Fe, some of you know, these women in the 50s and 60s, we have some of the most famous general contractors who are also designers. Mm -hmm. But I am one of the only general contract, female general contractors that I, that I go in, that I run into. Yeah. In my town. Yeah. You know, so it's not there now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and so I think you make number three female general contractors that I've had on the podcast. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the other two are on the east coast um but yeah the uh i i think it's awesome and i also it's always interesting to me like the reason why each of them like you know went into it like the other two stories it was basically the one was well i want to learn how to do it all and the other was like super frustrated with dealing with general contractors and so it was like I'm just going to go become one. So I don't have to deal with them anymore. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, I think that's really valid. Yeah. I, mean, I don't understand why more women don't get into mm -hmm. it. I mean, I do and I don't. I understand why they don't. But um, I mean, I really got into it for money. It was, it was good money. That was the thing that always brought me back to construction was it was something I could drop into. Yeah. You make good money doing it. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's definitely something. So like I've gone the, the corporate career, you know, route. That's like, I still have a job job. That's like more corporate-y. Um, <clears throat> but lately I've been like, I really, for my soul, need to change jobs. So I've been, <laughs> I've been looking and hunting, you know, because until 
this other fun stuff becomes like profitable, I have to still bring money into the household. And so, <laughs> I mean, I can't believe, I mean, when I see all your projects that you do and then this podcast, I'm just like, holy <laughs> crap. Like, well, I have to do all this much stuff. Energy. I have to do all this. This is the stuff that feeds me though. Right. So it's yeah. like, I, I, you're not the first, a lot of people like will message me and be like, how do you do it all? And I'm like, I don't see it that way because it's all like the stuff that you guys are seeing, right. You don't see the job job stuff, but the other stuff that you see me do, it's like, it's all fun stuff. So it, I don't know. It's hard to explain. It just feels natural to like, oh, I've got 20 minutes. I'm going to like do this. <laughs> well, and I think that's because people will ask me sometimes, you know, like, how, how are you getting so much whatever done? Yeah. Sewing or like, yeah. and I'm like, well, what do you do in the evenings? And, mm -hmm. You know, honestly, what do you yeah. do? And, you know, there are a lot of evenings I have from six to nine that's mm -hmm. three hours right you get a lot done mm -hmm. um you know michael was out last night working you know for he came home from work and he got himself right out to the shop mm -hmm. and he worked for four hours you know mm -hmm. and i think that's when people are like oh and i have to remind myself like you're like i got 20 minutes like hell i'm doing yeah. i'm in there yeah. doing yeah <laughs> Exactly. And when it's something you enjoy, it's not like a, it's not a slog, right? It's not. Right. Now, I mean, I am the first to admit there is a very, very, very long laundry list of things I should get done. <laughs> that would probably like start to make me money if I actually got them done. But they're the stuff that I'm like, car for 20 minutes or do another 20 minutes on the computer today. I'm going to choose carve. <laughs> That's what I'm going to choose to go do. Yeah. Um, and also I should very much state that what people see on Instagram is like, you know, a 30 second clip that I took. You don't see the whatever, <laughs> the stuff that I failed at, or that that might've been the only 30 seconds that I spent in the shop that day. Oh, that's a good that point. Video. You're like, yeah, <laughs> there might be like, she's been there for hours. You're like, yeah, no. 30 seconds. That was yes. It. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> now, I have a question for you. Do your, okay. do your kids uh, come into your shop at all? Are they interested at all? So I have one who could care less, except for to give me the list of things he expects me to make for him. Okay. And then I have the other, um, my youngest, my daughter, who is actually really interested. And so, um, you know, I do let her out in the shop with me if I'm not using anything like, you know, dangerous that throws stuff or if I'm not like even if I'm, I have started letting her out there, even when I'm cutting like on the miter saw, I just make sure she's got like hearing protection and all of that stuff on. Um, and it's usually kind of like a, I, ha I had another guest say it was like kind of like a co-play. Like I've given her like the box of scraps and like the bottle of glue and the everything so that she can make her own project while I'm making my own project. Um, and then, you know, on occasion, if there's something that she can help me with, because she's always asking, what can I do, you know, as part of this project, then I'll bring her over, like, 
she helped with the chisel and mallet taking off like bark off of a live edge you know tabletop and stuff like that like that's a great idea yeah you know like stuff that it's like I still supervise because you know and having to teach her like okay we don't hit it with the pointed end like aimed at ourselves <laughs> like let's work on this you know um, <laughs> you know but um she's really interested and I think like she's like she's also into dance and she's into music and she's into like I think she's going to be an artist of some kind probably yeah. um whatever that ends up being but she's also like you know she, she's doing a makeover to herself every day like nice. she, like on the weekend she has like three wardrobe changes at a minimum generally per day um which I don't understand right that's like not my world I do not get it but I'm like you do you <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you go ahead and rock whatever you want to rock um so she's like all dolled up and in a dress and working out in the shop and that's fine right as long as she's yeah. safe about it so oh, absolutely you know yeah. we have we have conversations where it's like she was like, well, she's like, can you do more than one thing? And I said, absolutely, you can be more than one thing, you know, when you grow up. And she's like, all right, yeah, I think I'm going to be a pop star and woodworker. And I said, okay, like, it's makes like complete good, sense. Good balance. Con yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a good career choice, the, the two. Yes. Um, so I, I look forward to that. Now, my son is actually very much an artist, too, but he's much more sketch. Like he, he likes to like notebook, sit down. Yes. He, I mean, that's on his Christmas list is like notebooks because he yeah. just sits down and sketch and sketch and sketch. And, you know, that's his thing. He doesn't want to be anywhere near the building stuff. Um, <laughs> you know, but I, I am happy to both see that they like, and I, and we, and my wife and I both encourage their creative side, like. I, I don't know. I feel pretty strongly that even if they go down like a engineering path or whatever else, right. I'm like, you're always going to need to have a creative outlet. Like that's what oh, feeds yeah. your soul. So yeah. <laughs> that's what you need to have. And it's so, I think there's, you know, I, it seems very normal, you know, maybe it just being an art school because a lot of the teachers were teachers and then they had you know, their, their art career. Yeah. And so yeah. I was very exposed to, you got to kind of, you do, yep. you got to do both yep. um, to, you know, to make it. Yes. You know. Unfortunately. <laughs> we, so, cause I would have to bring our kids, you know, onto our work site uh, when they're really little. And I remember a couple, one of the things we would do was hand them a roll of tape and be like, go for it right <laughs> they would like go and make these like onto a wall and make yep. mosaics they would make shoes they would wrap their they would this is terrible they'd tie their feet up uh-huh and, and then i'd be like we need to go to home depot and they're like clopping along i'm like we're gonna have to take those tape feet off those tape yes. feet off. they're like nah. i'm sure people and i'm sure i have a reputation in home depot <laughs> Decades of bringing my children in weird costumes and taped up. Okay, I actually want to like talk a little bit more about that though, because I've had talks just like in professional career too of 
you know, again, my professional career has put me in many a place where I still am one of maybe two and sometimes only the only female in the space. And so like the look you get when you're like, I have to leave by this time to pick my children up from school. (laughs) And they're just like, what? And it's like, yeah, because your wives are doing that for you. And you just have no understanding of like the balance that goes into like, you have to give me that time. Like it's, you know, you know, so I'm curious about that, about you showing up at a work site with your kids, like, well, so this was when they're really little. Yeah. This is when I was doing the flip and everything. So it was really my own, like, no, I didn't have a boss. Gotcha. Once I went to go work for somebody Mm -hmm. else, you know, at that point, Michael and I made the decision that he was going to only be able to work part-time mm-hmm. We because you can't do it all. Yeah. And we had Sophia. So I have a daughter who's my stepdaughter and my, my daughter for my first marriage. Mm-hmm. They're six months apart. Okay. Sophia, my daughter, we had her full time. Mm-hmm. My stepdaughter, we had half time. So there was all this back uh, and forth. Yeah. And so really Michael took off years you know, to do that. Now, mm-hmm. what's interesting, and we still kind of like, is I at the time worked at a place where cell phone range was very minimal. So you'd mm-hmm. have to call the office to get me. It was kind of a hassle. Yeah. Michael was the pickup. He was the drop off. He was the pickup. He did after school activities. Mm-hmm. He met with the other parents. Yep. You know, that was how it was. I would still get moms who would call me and be like, can Sophia play after school? And I'd be like, I don't really fucking know. <laughs> I don't know. Did you right. call Michael? Because yeah. <laughs> I, I really, so it's almost like the opposite where I was a little angry. Like I am trying to focus right, right. now on like, yeah. because I had, we were lucky enough to financially that he mm-hmm. didn't have to work full time. But there's been times where we have both and it's been a mess. It's just mm-hmm. a mess. two full-time working parents trying to have a career Mm -hmm. it's it yeah you have to have a very forgiving or not even I shouldn't even say that that's not even you have to have a boss that has an an idea of how it is to through the world yes (laughs) right (laughs) I don't know how else to say that but yeah but but it's amazing how much they like don't it's you know, a- <laughs> it really is like, I mean, now the, the, the job that I have now is very, very flexible because I work as a consultant. And so it's like, you know, like I set the times I have more power in that situation. But coming from the corporate world, it was like, well, you're expected to work 60 hours a week. Like, that's just the expectation. We pay you for 40, but you're expected to work 60 hours a week. And you know, and then it's looked at frowned upon when it's like, well, why are you leaving at this time every day when your male, you know, coworkers are staying till like seven o'clock at night? And it's like, because I have children, I have to pick them up. I have to go home. I have to make them dinner. I have to <laughs> get someone has to do it. Yes. <laughs> and unless your wife is coming over to my right. house to do it. Now, so my daughter is a, has, is a mom and she's yeah. a single mom. And I, you know, I don't, 
I know it has come out of my mouth to her before. And I kind of like try and pull it back, which is, oh, you're so, your boss is so great with you, with, mm-hmm. you know, which she is. Her boss is very supportive mm-hmm. of her. She is a female. She has no children. She doesn't know what it is. Right, me. right. And yet she, so I think, cause my daughter works when she's there, she's incredibly present. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have a feeling this woman just doesn't want to lose, you know, be like <laughs> losing it. But, you know, there's been times, you know, as a single parent, like you don't have anyone. Nope. Mm-mm. And I remember, you know, I was a single parent for three years and I remember like getting strep throat or something. And luckily my parents lived next door. And so I could call them to say, I need you to come take Sophia because I can't get out of bed. Yeah. And those moments I would be like, oh my God, how do other right. people do right. this if you right. don't have that support system. So mm-hmm. with Sophia, we, my mom, who also lives in the same town she does, we're, we're always just like right there for her to make sure she feels she's got that support. Because mm-hmm. you don't, like you said, you don't, often you don't. Hey makers, today's episode is sponsored in part by toolmomstore.com. At toolmomstore.com, you can find any and all tool-based merchandise for all genders, all sizes. They've got mugs, they've got shirts, all kinds of cool stuff. I have uh, one of the shirts myself that has the uh, hashtag woodworker on it. And I also have a couple of the mugs that define what and who is a tool chick. So super excited with the merchandise that I have. I know that you will be satisfied as well. Um, And also, great discount for those of you who listen to the podcast at checkout. If you enter the code maker mom, you will get a 20% discount off any of the merchandise that you buy. So that's just toolmomstore.com. All right, let's head back into the action. No, they don't. And I mean, you know, that's not just, that's also not to speak ill of like, my wife. I don't want people to get the misconception that she doesn't like participate and also do these things. But we are in kind of a situation like you and your husband, where it's like my job's more flexible. So I take on the like the doctor's appointments, the dentist, the haircuts, the like picking the, you know, taking the kids to school, picking them up most of the time. Like, and she does what she can, but she is in that corporate world still struggling with like all the men around her being like, what do you, what do you, what do you mean you want to leave early to like go do this? <laughs> like, yeah, I just don't understand. And I, I have a feeling I put that pressure on myself mm-hmm. because again, I was working with just men. Yep. Where, you know, it was falling to their spouse to, yep. to do stuff. Um, you know, so probably subconsciously was just like, I'm not going to say anything like the kids <laughs> sick today, but yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And, and the reality is like, I think it would be an amazing cultural shift if the parenting load was just as even on like men in the relationship so that I mean it would change everything right like well (laughs) so here's my view men as caregivers oh my god they're so awesome (laughs) I mean like I would drill down into the details and I would watch my friends the female friends be like so like 
not letting and then you know you see these memes of yeah. like then the men take them and you know they forget to wear their pants out the right. door right but there is some of that and it may be not just a gender thing but maybe a person but there is some of that that I think is very good for children to have around. yes <laughs> like, I didn't have to wear pants to school today right <laughs> Yes, there is like there. I think there's like you know great balance to both structure yes. and all that, and then be like, what are we gonna you know? Yes, I don't know. <laughs> yes, no, I I completely agree. It's like, especially when you have little little kids, right? Like when they're like really little, like you can get wrapped around. At least I did wrapped around the axle about like every little detail about like feeding routines and like. Yes bedtime and bath time and blah, 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 blah. So that I'd be so over anxious that even though like I had a partner who's like willing and able and wants to be right there, I almost would like not allow it because it's like, no, it has to be like step A, step B, step C, step, you know, whereas like, she was just like, I just put the kid in water and they're clean. Like, right. You know? like, and you're like, but you didn't scrub their head properly. Yes. Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and so it was like, you know, it has taken a long time and I still don't probably release as much control as I should, but <laughs> it took some understanding of like, when I have to be gone for like work travel or whatever, right? It's like, I have to, I have to let go and be like, they will still be alive when I come home. And that is the important part. <laughs> I know, you, have to, you, you have to remind yourself. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I remember I left for an overseas trip and Sophia was probably about 10 and I never really felt I was controlling like her, but obviously I was enough in her life. And so the whole trip, her whole thing with Michael was, so what would we do if mom wasn't around? And he goes, every day got a little darker and a little deeper. Finally, like day five, she's like, so if mom is dead, what's happening with me? you know, <laughs> but I did come back. Yes, <laughs> it's fine. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, I always love that I get reports while I'm gone that the kids are perfect angels. And then like, when oh, I come God. back, and then when I come back, it's like, they just like, let it all fly, right? It's like, okay, we were good. You told us to be good. We were good for the other parent. Now you're home and screw you. I do everything under the sun. <laughs> my, my therapist once told me that's because, you know, she felt safe with me. And I was like, what kind of bullshit is he telling me? It's, no, she's just being ornery in my That's presence. right. <laughs> That's right. My ass. Yes. <laughs> You're just punishing me because I was gone. That's the reality yeah. of what's going on here. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Back on topic. Okay. <laughs> so you are currently still doing the general contractor thing, right? And working at home or? Well, this is a good kind of turn of things. Okay. So uh, I do, often I do very large homes. Santa Fe is similar to like Aspen where we have a 
we have a lot of wealth, a lot of poverty and a lot of uber wealth. Second, third homes are, are not uncommon here. Mm -hmm. So that's what feeds my, I mean, that's how I make a living. Right. So a lot of us uh, in this town make our living. Um, and there's so many things I love about it because probably some of the things I've been able to customize and mm -hmm. really experiment with, I would have never been able to do if I was doing a smaller home yeah. or, you know, less custom homes. There's also another stress that goes on with it. And um, I'm known, I have a reputation for being able to take on difficult projects. I just got a call the other day. And I think it's also really exhausting. And so um, when COVID hit, mm -hmm. I had some projects going on um, and we had to close down for a little bit. And when we opened back up last summer, I was just like, let's just, let's get these done. Mm -hmm. I was really tired. I was really feeling the strain of probably just the pandemic yep. on some level. And so I just, you know, I talked to Michael and I said, I want to take a break. Um, and how I do my business, uh, which is a whole nother topic, but mm -hmm. Michael and I years ago were in deep debt and we got out of that debt. And so we live a fairly frugal mm -hmm. life, but we also, um, what am I trying to say? So when I, as a general contractor, some years you have high profits and other years, not so much. Mm -hmm. So I don't go with the wave of mm -hmm. my income. So my income's always the same. And so I had enough kind of shoveled away. I, at that point I said, you know, I just want to take some time off. Mm -hmm. So I want to explain that to people because I think a lot of people are like, how are you taking time off? Well, right. <laughs> savings. Mm -hmm. um, so I closed up, you know, I had to lay off my, I have one employee, I laid him off. Um, and I've always loved what I do. I've, I have chronic pain. And, and in some ways I've always said it, it helps me mentally with my pain that I get up every morning, and go to work. Mm -hmm. But I think I just had a whole head shift of like not being able to really jump back in the same way I was doing mm -hmm. it. And I know what I want to do. I know what I, how I want to do it differently. And that is the whole uh, affordable housing mm -hmm. uh, piece of this. I don't know how to get there right now. I, or if I know how to get there, I'm not sure I want to put my time and energy doing things that don't thrill me, like yeah. grant writing and yeah. things yeah. like that. So I'm trying to really, I mean, I've just kind of taken, I, I call it my sabbatical. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what I've done. I've taken a sabbatical and, and I know everyone's like, there's so much work out there. The quality of what, what I'm getting asked to do mm -hmm. is, seems to be consistent with me at least. And a couple of my colleagues is material costs are so high. Right. And so when a client comes to me and says, well, can't you give me a deal on your labor? <laughs> Oh, God, mm -hmm. I just have to take a huge deep breath because it's not them. Mm -hmm. I mean, I get it, but you know, I am really about you pay people what yep. they should be paid to do. Mm -hmm. And if, and, and, and one reason I have the lovely ability of having 
bigger clients is I get to, you know, everyone gets a living wage, right? Whether they're a trade or not for me. And so I just haven't, I mean, I'm doing, I am working some, I'm helping, uh, working for another general contractor, helping him with some projects, organize some projects mm-hmm. until I can kind of wrap my head around of like how I'm going to move forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be building. I'm just not really sure what that right. new thing is going to be. So, yeah. You know, I, I just want to say like, I don't think, <clears throat> I don't think you're alone. In fact, I know you're not alone. Like COVID has had, the the pandemic has had this effect of people pausing and maybe just assessing and being like, okay, if I'm going to spend all of my energy on something, I want it to be something that I'm, I care about, right? That like lights me up in more ways than one. Um, and so, especially, you know, if it's, you know, something similar to me, it's like stuff around maybe, you know, social justice issues and, and things like that and making the world a better place and breaking down systems and all of that fun stuff. And so, I mean, that's a lot of what has me looking for a different job job is like, I, I just can't continue to work with these places that don't hold the same values as me anymore. I just can't. So, you know, so I'm like, I I need to look at something else. I don't think you're, I definitely know you're not alone there. I feel like there's a big wave of people who have had this and that's why, you know, they're calling it, there's a lot of reasons that they're calling it the great recession, but a big part of it is, is like this big shift of, I'm tired of giving all my energy to this corporation that doesn't give a crap about me you know (laughs) and and sometimes what I get caught up in is things that I'm talented at are not necessarily things I want to be doing yep (laughs) so I do go back to that kind of work ethic where I'm like I need to make a living and I do enjoy this but then I start going down you know what I'm good at which is really complicated projects Mm-hmm. lots of different balls in the air and I come in and I'm like this is how we're gonna do yeah. it yeah and I'm like you know it's like well yeah you can do that but is it what you want to do yep and I do get caught up in that kind of circle of like well because it, it, it's not bad I mean that's why right. I'm like it's not totally bad like right. I love these beautiful houses but I have to say I also don't yep I my you know I live in 1100 square foot house Mm-hmm. it's not considered a tiny house by any means right but I mean I do have my own workshop mm-hmm. on top of that but I just you know it's it's that fills me up like I don't have this yeah. huge urge to have these bigger houses and yet that's what I do for a living. right, right. <laughs> yeah no I'm I'm with you um and probably a somewhat off topic but just throwing this out there like in my area and it started before the pandemic, but I feel like there's, they were onto something. Um, there's an area of town where they built um, a, a very small community of tiny homes um, that they put all together and met, intentionally meant to give people who don't make a living wage a way to like 
get into owning their own property, um, you know, through various systems. But I would think with your skills of just even understanding how like construction works, that there could be like, you know, potential there. Um, well, and, and that's, so, so my construction company is called Nest Builders. Another big thing I did was I actually changed the name. I was Buffalo Builders. And, and I, when I closed up, I was like, I just don't feel. Mm -hmm. So I changed my name to Nest Builders. And the whole idea I have with the affordable housing is here right now, our medium house, I think is now close to $600,000. Yeah. Saying this. Yeah. Now I just told you we have a lot of really super wealthy and we have yeah. impoverished. So if I look at people that the trades that are coming, yeah, you know they're making forty fifty thousand dollars a year. Yeah, they cannot afford that house, and so um, I've been looking at how another company here, Affordable Housing, has been doing their model, and I'm like, you almost have it. But really, what I want to do is build a small development, mm -hmm. and it would be you know. 1800 square foot houses. Yes. It would be made for, you know, the teachers, the yep. firemen, you know, the, the middle, <laughs> class, yep. middle class working. And in, and it, but here's the kicker these houses would also be made with um, craftsmanship that would um, help the maintenance long term. Mm -hmm. So out here, we have a lot of flat roofs. So it would be pitched metal roofs it would be mm -hmm. stucco that's you know thick it's not yep. we have different coats of stucco it would be long overhangs to protect the exterior walls yes. things like this that would cost more mm -hmm. like initially to build yep. that house but i would say it's when you hand a house over to somebody immediately the maintenance you have to start yes. saving yeah and so that was the idea of like well handing them a house that at least they know you know hardwood floors, it'll last forever. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't want that to sell as a $450,000 right. house. I want it to sell as a $200,000 house. So somehow mm -hmm. I have to then come up with the money through grants, through, uh, through, uh, what am I trying to say? <laughs> the well, terrible elevator pitch <laughs> I'm doing. <laughs> through subsidies. Yes. Uh, through donate land donations. Yes. And then so, at here in Santa Fe, we have an affordable housing project. Mm -hmm. So hand them the house and say, you're selling this for $200,000. Right. And, you know, that's building that up that way. And, and it doesn't make any sense profit-wise because you're right. actually losing money. Right. But I'm like, we have got to support. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, we do. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> okay i'll take it <laughs> um all right well on that note we're at the end of our time together <laughs> shocking uh -huh. they just flew by it did it did um but i want to give you a chance to let people know how they can find you and follow along with you and all that good jazz all right i am on instagram and facebook i'm more active probably on instagram I'm a little active on TikTok, <laughs> but wherever you go, you mm -hmm. can find me at Mike and Molly's house, Mike and Molly's house. Okay. <laughs> Mike and Molly's house. All right. 
Perfect. Well, thanks this for having Yeah. Yes. It's been so much fun. I really enjoyed it. Even though I feel like I took us down several, maybe not directly associated paths. But. That is how it's supposed to be. Yes. <laughs> awesome. All right. So again, that was Molly Pruitt, and I will include the links on how you can follow along with her in the show notes for today's episode. Where might you find those, you ask? Well, check the description on the podcast app you're listening with, or if you happen to be watching this on YouTube, check the description box down below. And thirdly, you can head on over to freemanfurnishings.com forward slash podcast and find the show notes for today's episode along with all the past episodes as well. If you enjoy today's episode, please make sure to subscribe, like, and follow so you get notified when new episodes are released. One last thing, head on over to Instagram and follow along with the podcast at Crafting a Revolution. Okay, head on over there. And when I am not interviewing and chatting with amazing guests and putting together podcast episodes, you can find me designing and making furniture and other home decor at freemanfurnishings.com and at Freeman Furnishings across all of the social media platforms. I am active on a daily basis on Instagram and pretty close to daily on TikTok. That's at Freeman Furnishings on both of those platforms. So come on over and say hi. We are towards the end of our week, heading into the weekend. I hope you get to get out and make something. And as always, let's go craft a revolution.